0: great to see you here today. Summer means projects, doesn't it? I've been landscaping for the last few days with my son Peter, and uh, I'm going to be honest, right now I'm one hurting dude. I hurt. Head to toe. So uh, Vicky and I were talking about summer the other day and how it goes by so quickly. Have you noticed that? It's almost midway through summer already. I mean, it feels like it just started last week. And then winter never seems to end around here. And so I'm going, oh man, we're on our uh, series of messages from the Lord's Prayer, and um, today we're on a specific line of the Lord's Prayer, um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. In that phrase, a couple things are transpiring. First of all, there's the declaration, there's a petition for God's kingdom and will, we're asking. We're, we're, we're praying, God, your kingdom come and your will be done. We're, we're making this declaration, we're making that petition, but there's an implication associated with it. And the implication is this, that we're willing to surrender. We're willing to surrender to God's kingdom and to God's will. Um, so when we pray, it's appropriate to pray in that kind of language. God, we want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. But then we have to understand... That accompanying that prayer, accompanying that declaration, that petition, has to be a heart-rendering on our part of surrender to God, that we all give our lives in to this kingdom and we'll give our lives to the will of the Lord. I'm going to talk for a few moments on what it means to pray for thy kingdom uh, and thy will to come, but I don't want you to lose this big thought today of surrender. We're going to get that uh, to surrender here in a few moments, but today is about Surrender. Because if we don't understand the surrender implication of thy will and thy kingdom, then that ceases to have its impact and power that it's supposed to have in our lives. Now, the, the, the kingdom of God's a little hard for us to understand because we don't live in a kingdom right now. We're democracy-minded people. I know technically we live in a republic, right? But we're democracy-minded people and we think we have a vote and everything. Well. In Jesus' day, when he gave this teaching, they would understand kingdom. They were in the midst of kingdoms. We don't understand that right now because we don't live in that kind of life experience. And so we think a king and a kingdom is antiquated. It's ancient. It's not very efficient. And and so when we hear this part of the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, I think there's a tendency just to kind of tune out because we don't have that life experience and we don't know if we really want a kingdom. It seems a little outdated. Now, a positive side to kingdom and to a king was that in the days of Jesus, especially that king protected his subjects. He was their protection. And we know the Lord Jesus Christ is our protection, isn't he? He's a benevolent king who has our welfare mind, and he protects us from Satan's kingdom and from the wiles of the devil but there's a side of kingdom that we gotta grapple with. If there's a king, then there are what? Subjects. The subjects serve whom? The king. The king owns what? Everything. So when you pray, thy kingdom come, you're saying, God your ruler, God your king, God I'm subject. You own everything, I own nothing. See, if you really begin to pray that way and believe that way, it changes how you do Christianity, how you view your walk with God. We're told the tithe in the Bible. Why? Because we're in a kingdom, subjects pay their king. Now I know we go at the angle that if you tithe, you get blessed and all that. Malachi does say that. It's wonderful promise scripture. It is. But get get this. If you're in a kingdom and you're the subject of the kingdom, what do you do? You pay tribute to your king. It's a way of honoring him and acknowledging his sovereignty over you. I don't like we get that about giving. Whenever we give to the Lord, if we have the right heart, especially, we're acknowledging you are king. I am the subject, right? We're acknowledging his right to rule over us. We're acknowledging that we're subject to him. Same with the commands of Jesus Christ. Now, we ought to obey, obey the Lord Jesus because we love him. He said, if you love me, obey my commands. But we also got to understand kingdom language here. He is king. He gives an order. I do it. It's kind of like A coach in a sport, he tells you what to do. In theory, you do it, right? You don't say, "I got a better idea, coach." I knew you'd do up this play. I I really want to do this play. You don't normally do that. Some try. I'm laughing because I, anyway, I don't want to go there. Um, But anyway, you follow what I'm saying. He is king. We're subject. So when we pray in that prayer, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done," it's audacious. It's almost scary what we're really praying. There are many kingdoms in this world right now. There have been many kingdoms in the world. There are going to be future kingdoms. But the Bible says in Revelation that Jesus' kingdom is the ultimate kingdom. The kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he's going to reign forever and ever and ever um, i i, I got to talk to you on this kingdom for a few moments we really got to get the kingdom and what it's all about here because we won't understand the lord's prayer if we don't understand this this phrase thy kingdom come thy, thy will be done uh there's a two-fold understanding to god's kingdom that we need to get first of all the kingdom of god is a present reality it's happening right now it's a present reality it's happening right now okay the kingdom of god is all around us pastor adam Hamilton use a story to get after this idea, and I want to share that with you uh, right now. He said this, LeVon and I love to go to the mountains. We like to hike in the mountains. We like to ski in the mountains. Several years ago, we took uh, the kids on vacation to uh, Olympic Mountains in Washington. And one day we hiked up to Hurricane Ridge. Vicky and I took a vacation out west. We went up to Olympic Mountains. It, was, it is absolutely gorgeous. It is great hiking. And we're walking along and just marveling from where we were standing on Hurricane Ridge, you could see the mountains all around you. It was just awesome. It was beautiful. We got a bit winded, so we sat down and, and, and opened our water bottles and, and began to drink. And we're marveling at all the majesty, he said, of the mountains. And I, I finally, I looked down and I saw before me a whole world in miniature. It was teeming with life and activity and energy. They were bouncing around and flitting to and fro, and there were things I could see and things I could barely see, little dots here and there, all this life. And I began thinking about this in light of the kingdom of God. Little creatures living here in that one little patch of tundra would never move more than three to five feet from where uh, they were born. They can't see the mountains. They can't see the grandeur all around them. All they see is one little square foot. They see the grass, and that's about it. And if they were conscious beings, that would be the extent of their universe. Then he gets to this idea of the kingdom. He brings this in. He says, listen, God reigns and rules whether you know it or not. Amen? He reigns and rules whether you see it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you are are, are aware of it or not. God is the force behind all things, whether they're minutiae little creatures or whether it's the grandeur of a mountain range. God is over it all. God rules it all. And he rules it in spite of what we think or what we believe because he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. God is present everywhere. There is nowhere that God is not. At this very moment, God's kingdom is all around you and me and everything he has created is obeying his laws and his principles. Amen? God's kingdom is a present reality. It doesn't matter if we acknowledge it or not. I can acknowledge it or not acknowledge it. I can stand at the edge of a cliff and say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe I I jump off this cliff, I'll die. You jump off that cliff and you'll die. You'll experience gravity. God's kingdom is a present reality. So we should worship him. We should acknowledge him. He reigns. You need to see his kingdom as a present reality. That means then you and I live according to his principles and his ways and his precepts. Otherwise, we fight reality. We fight God. The Lord's Prayer is part of a teaching of Jesus Christ called the Sermon on the Mount. Pastor Aaron mentioned that last week. I mentioned it the week before that. If you go to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, that's the Sermon on the Mount. What Jesus is giving us in the Sermon on the Mount is kingdom principles, kingdom understanding, kingdom perspective. He starts out with this thing called the Beatitudes. Do you remember the first Beatitude? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's usually the only Beatitude people remember because it's the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And basically the Lord Jesus Christ was saying to you and I, listen, blessed are you who understand your spiritual depravity, your spiritual need. Blessed are those of you who are humble enough to see this and teachable enough to understand it, because yours then is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on and teaches us all about the kingdom of heaven and about kingdom principles. And the Lord's prayer fits right in the middle of that process. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So the first piece of the kingdom of God is understanding it's a present reality. The second piece is this. The kingdom of God is a vision, of course, for the future. This present world is in rebellion. Um, The kings of this world, though, we're told, and the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So there's this big understanding of this future kingdom of God coming and being established. If you've been around Christianity for a while, you know it. It's Revelation. It's talked about in all of that Discord, Matthew chapter 24. I mean, we, you can go back in Daniel and you'll see it there. It's all over in the Bible that the day is coming when God's going to usher in the fullness of his kingdom. And usually when we hear thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we think in this grand picture of God's kingdom coming in its fullness and all of rebellion being put down and everything aligning and being perfect like it ought to be. But we need to personalize it a little bit. The kingdom needs to come into our lives. Now. We need to become part of the process of this world becoming the Lord's. We know that when God's kingdom is ushered in in its fullness, wars are going to cease. There's going to be no more war, right? So maybe we should start now by not fighting with each other. We know that when the kingdom's ushered in, there's not going to be any starvation. There's not going to be any need or want. All tears are going to be wiped away. There'll be no mourning. There'll be no death. So maybe you and I should start now caring about other people. If We see someone hungry, help them. We know that when the kingdom's ushered in, there's not going to be any racial conflict. God's colorblind. There's not going to be any skin thing going on. Maybe we should start now. We're God's people. We are part of the process of ushering in this kingdom. If God's kingdom is coming and we're part of the ushering in of the kingdom, how will you do your business differently? How will you teach differently if you're in a teaching career? How will you coach differently if you're in a coaching degree uh, career? How would you be a student if you're a student? How would you be a nurse if you're a nurse? If God's kingdom is now, what does that mean to you now, Right? Because that's how this is supposed to impact us. Thy kingdom come. I'm part of that kingdom coming. This little piece of earth called me. I'm part of this kingdom coming. This world is indeed a broken place. But you don't have to be broken. Amen? God's kingdom can come in you. Dr. Mark Rutland wrote a short book called 21 Seconds That Will Change Your World. It's where I've gotten a little bit of the material for for the series, to be honest, not that much. The title just encapsulates, this was a great title. And I challenged you a couple weeks ago, the Lord's Prayer takes about 21 seconds to recite, begin to recite it, but begin to understand what it means and its implications to you. I pray you're doing that a little bit. I've done it a few times. I've forgotten for a couple days and I remember oh I should do this on the pastor you know I told everybody to do it so I ought to be doing it myself um, but Mark wrote a, a prayer in his this in book that I want to recite to you today but I want you to receive it I want you to close your eyes it's about God's kingdom coming into us personally so just listen to this prayer let it soak into your spirit father be the king of my life may my whole life be yours to rule as your kingdom as your possession Be the king of my entire life. Be the king of every wayward part of me, every lustful thought, every shred of hate and hurt and every fear until your kingdom comes in me. I surrender the wickedness inside of me and I pray that your kingdom will come in its place. I pray for your will to be done in the earth that is called me. Your will, your call, your plan, your timing and your way. I know your will is better than mine, better than anyone's and I'm not simply submitting to it. I plead for your will in me. I pray for your will and earth of me. In your name, Jesus, amen. So there is this future application of God's kingdom coming in a broad, you know, end of time sense. But there's also an application to you and I in our personal lives that we need to grab a hold of this morning. Um, So now we're going to get to the heart of the message today, and that's surrender. It's surrender. Uh, I don't want to always be too transparent with you, but I sure struggle with this surrender thing. I'm just going to be honest. And sometimes I feel like I'm preaching almost more to myself than to all of you. But if we're going to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, that means we have to surrender to God's kingdom, and we have to surrender to God's will. And man, that's hard. Let me give you the big thought today, and then I'm going to talk on surrender for a few moments. The follower of God is to surrender their life to the present reality of his kingdom and of course his future vision of God's kingdom. So we're to surrender to the present reality that God's kingdom is indeed here and we're also supposed to surrender to this idea that God's kingdom is becoming what it's meant to be. The challenge we face is that we don't submit easily. Come on now, think about this. Are you a naturally submissive person? Do you naturally surrender? Our earthy self wants to pray like this. My kingdom come and my will be done. And God, you come alongside me as I do my plans. We often pray that way and we don't even know we're praying that way. Selfishness comes to us inhabitants of this earth very easily. We have a knack and a bent towards sin and doing things wrong. I think we can become extraordinarily masterful at twisting and manipulating things to kind of get our way and then maybe spiritualizing it a little bit by throwing some God language in there. I know that's rough to to say it that bluntly, but I find myself doing that. It's easy to do. I don't have to work hard at all personally at being independent, how about you? I know some of you, you should be saying amen. I don't have to work real hard at being what I would call strong-willed. I am extraordinarily strong-willed. Sometimes, even as I'm saying things that I'm saying, I'm going, why am I saying this? You ever have that thought in your mind? Why am I right now fighting with my wife? I know she's 100% right, but I just can't stop. I'm so strong-willed. Are you like that? Some of you are. You need to confess it. Because I know you. I mean, I don't have any problem with being a bit stubborn, a bit ornery, cranky, whatever you want to call it. Surrender is hard. And we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're praying and saying, God, I want you to rule over me, and I'm going to submit to you. That's what we're saying. That's what we're praying. I, I just want you to grapple with that for a moment, the implication of it all. So for the remainder of the message, I'm gonna talk on surrender. And I wanna begin with an exercise. In your note guides, you you see some blanks there. Sources of stress. I'm gonna give you exactly 10 seconds to list some stresses in your life. Let me give you some hints. Your marriage might be a stressor right now. Your finances may be causing you stress. A kid in your family could be causing you stress if you're parents. It could be that you're dealing with some elderly issues in your household, a mom or dad who's not doing so well. It could be your career isn't going like you wanted to go, or your your health isn't what you wish it would be. Just take about 10 seconds now. Put down a couple sources of stress, just quickly. Don't think this through too hard. Just put them down. You now have eight seconds. Okay, now I have a question for you. A probing question. Is there a cause to that stress of an unwillingness on your part to surrender to God in that area of your life? Oftentimes that is the cause of stress. Finances aren't going well, we're not submitted to God in that area of our life. Marriage isn't going well, we're not submitted to God in that area of our life. Career isn't going well, uh, We're not submitted to God in that area of our life. Oftentimes, the stress has a direct tie back to an unwillingness to submit to God, to surrender to God. It really does. And if that not be the case, here is the case. I can almost say all the other cases fall into this case is that stress area becomes a point, a catalyst to launch you into surrender, if handled rightly. Will you let it be the catalyst that launches you into full surrender to God? Because that's what he wants to do with it. It's maybe a red flag. It's maybe a sign of surrender. Surrender is incredibly important. And and the Lord is saying by the example of the Lord's prayer, we're supposed to pray for thy kingdom come, thy will to be done. We're supposed to be saying by that prayer that I'm willing to surrender to you, God. It's a huge concept, it's a huge important thing to grab a hold of. So let me define it for you for a few moments surrender. This is not adequate, it's just a beginning look into what surrender means. Surrender means um, I acknowledge and submit to the rule of God in my life. I just acknowledge and submit to the rule of God. In Psalm 46, the Lord tells his people to, first of all, acknowledge him and submit to him. And this is part of the equation of surrender. Let me read the beginning of of Psalm 46 to you. God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with the surging. Now, after several more verses of assurance, the, the psalmist brings us to this incredibly big thought of submission. Listen to this. Uh, I, I find that people quote this verse, but it's usually out of context. So we've got to read it in the context that it's given to us. In verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And it's like God is saying to his people I know you're in the middle of trials. I know you're full of anxiety. I know you're fretting and going kind of crazy. Would you, first of all, acknowledge that I'm your refuge, that I'm your strength? Then, still yourself before me. Still yourself before me and know that I am God. I'm going to be exalted among the nations i'll be exalted in the earth do you see what this psalm is getting at it's getting at surrender understand who is god acknowledge that still yourself before him cast all your cares upon him lord thy kingdom come lord thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven may i be a proverbs 3 verses 5 through 6 person i trust in the lord with all my heart, and I lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I acknowledge him, and he is going to make my path straight. I am a person that's acknowledging God, and I'm submitting to God. I'm stilling myself before him and relying on him. And instead of you being an anxious person, then you become a contented person. Do you know that they say anxiety is the number one problem in our culture right now? I think the Lord's Prayer has a lot of application to that problem. We've got to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to surrender God as King, and we have to see ourselves as subjects. We've got to come to Him as our refuge and our strength, and we've got to still ourselves before Him and and, and trust in Him, amen? Anxiety should be replaced then with peace and contentment, which brings us to point number two here. Learn to be content in the Lord in all circumstances. At the end of the book of Philippians, Paul gets to some profound thoughts on contentment. He says this in in verses 11 through 13 of Philippians 4. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And Paul was thanking the Philippian church for their generous gift, but he was putting it all in context. I can do well when I have a lot. I can do well when I have hardly anything. And I think we have to get to this place of contentment in God. That is the surrendered life, where we're content, whether we have a lot or whether we have hardly anything, because our focus is on our king and following our king. I've learned some contentment in my own life because of some recent things I went through. I learned what it means to surrender once again. God takes you through iterations of surrender. Do you get this? Sometimes you think you get it. That's course level 100. Then he brings course level 200, then 300, and then 400. You know, And you can continually learn how to surrender and be content in the Lord as you face more and more adversity and more lessons, I call them. This contentment in in the Western culture is difficult because uh, Western culture venerates drivenness, right? We 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 exalt being driven. You got to be the best at your job. You got to make the most money. You got to have the most toys. You got to have the biggest house, and you got to have new stuff, and you got to amass all this junk, and your possessions possess you. We have to learn enough is enough at some point and be content in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this contentment, understanding of surrender spills over until, I think, every aspect of our life. So, in December, I've told the story a little bit here. You get, you, you get pieces of it. I am not feeling good. Been eight months of not feeling good. Finally, they figure out what's wrong with me. I get a stress test and I fail it. So, I go to the hospital and they put three stents in. And... I was told some things there in the hospital, which I took to heart. Ha! Literally, that was a joke. Anyway, um, got to change the stress level in your life. Are you stressed at all? <laughs> yes, bingo. Got to change some diet things. You got to exercise. I thought, I can do the exercise. You're really easy, I'm already doing that. I'll just amp it up. The diet thing, hmm, and then the stress thing, hmm. I begin to think on those and pray about those some, and I begin to look at my diet and I begin to realize some things about my eating habits. I, I'm not a overindulger by any means of eating, but let me just give you some background here. I grew up and my mom believed you cook a meal and then you didn't eat, then you cook a meal, then you eat, then you didn't eat, then you cook a meal. There was no snacking in the Norby household when I grew up. She. Didn't buy Twinkies or Ho Hos or all these snacks. You know, you basically made hay when you had the meal. You know what I'm saying? Some of you, if you had the meal, you ate that puppy, or you were hungry. So when Mom served liver and onions, I didn't have the macaroni and cheese option. I ate liver and onions, which, by the way, who does that? It's gross. I'm just saying, I've never had liver and onions since. It, it, but you would eat that or you'd be hungry. So what I unconsciously started doing was every meal I sat down to eat was, i got to get my fill here. i got to eat. You, you eat till you're kind of uncomfortable because you're a little nor- nervous about being hungry. I was always hungry. Anybody hungry here growing up? I mean, you grow and you get hungry, right? And so I kind of developed some bad habits. You eat until you feel uncomfortable. Well, guess what I had to really change here in December, I said, you know what? This isn't going to matter. I can be hungry. I can do well with little or lot. I've learned to be content in what situation. I am never going to eat again to the point where I feel like I'm doing stomach exercises. Crunches with the gut, you know what I'm saying? I don't need to eat like that. Now, I'm not going to criticize you if you like to eat like that. This is between you and the Lord. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying here today for me was I saw this as an area that needed to be surrendered. So I surrendered it to God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in me as it is in heaven. Took it very personally. Surrender to Jesus takes a very personal look to it. There are areas in your life right now I know God is saying to you, you need to surrender this to me. He does one thing at a time he doesn't tell you 18 things that'll overwhelm you but there will be things in your life where you need to surrender them to god surrender to god thy kingdom come thy will be done in me as it is in heaven surrender whatever area it is that god is telling you to surrender then lastly i want to get to one more point surrender will involve this a willingness to lay down your life this is kind of a well done. we'll lay down our lives surrender means i'll lay down my life for my king jesus said in luke 14:33. Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. That's pretty blunt. Paul said over in Romans chapter 6, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but you're under grace. So, surrender involves acknowledgement of who God is, stilling yourself before him, submitting to him. Surrender involves contentment. I learned to be okay, God, whether I have a lot or little, as long as I'm in your kingdom, Amen. And contentment means I'm literally willing to lay down my life for Lord Jesus Christ. This is hard. Would you agree with me? We pray the Lord's Prayer, and I grew up Lutheran. We prayed this puppy every week Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I had no idea what I was praying. The implication of surrender wasn't in my thought process. It's scary prayer to pray. Do we really want God's kingdom? Do we really want his will? Because that means I'm going to surrender to him. That means I have to die and he has to increase. We don't even understand kingdom, much less heavenly kingdom, very well. And We're praying this really what I call high-level, difficult prayer. But there's a promise that we have to take to heart today, a really important promise. You're going to receive back much more than you ever give up. Jesus promised in Mark chapter 10, these words. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much back in this present age homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields along of course with persecutions which we kind of like to leave out of this little promise um, and in the age to come eternal life. So when we talk on a topic like thy kingdom come and we talk on surrender I know it's difficult But get this, a surrendered life is the blessed life. Just get that, please. Understand, there are blessings untold found in a surrendered life, amen? There really are. You really don't ever outgive what you get from God. You really don't. And so even though he's king and we're subject and that may seem like, ooh, I don't know if I want that deal, it is the best place to ever find yourself in. But what I want you to do is begin to read the Bible biblically. A lot of the language in the New Testament is about kingdom. It's about Christ being king, we being the subjects. Christ being the master, we being the servant. You have got to read it like that. Don't read around it. Don't trivialize it. Let it work its work in your soul. So I want to end today with just a quick prayer. Would you bow your heads and then we're going to take some communion this morning. Our Father... Be king of our lives, we pray this morning. May our whole life be yours to rule. Be king over our thoughts. Be king over our actions. May your kingdom rule start in each one of our hearts. May each part of this earth, so to speak, each one of us, be as it is in heaven. We acknowledge the present reality that you indeed are over all creation. Every corner of the cosmos is under your rule, Lord. Whether that's acknowledged or seen, it still is true. We know that you are bringing all creation under your lordship. You're bringing all rebellion under your lordship. And we embrace your kingdom coming for the future. And pray that we would be used as part of it. May your kingdom come in us. May your will be done in each one of us. We pray that our lives would be surrendered to you fully. We know that surrender involves an acknowledgement of who you are and submission to you, that we would still ourselves before you and trust in you. We, by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, will be content with little or much. We will surrender to you. Take our lives. We offer them to you this morning, Lord. In the name of the King of kings and Lord of lords, we pray these things. And all people said... Amen.